right, good morning, everybody. All right, so before I begin, I just thought of the first question, maybe you can turn to your neighbor and just kind of ask, you know, who is someone you go to, you know, in times of trouble? Maybe you have to get something off your chest. Um, you know, you have just a lot going on and you need to unload. Or maybe just think about it to yourselves. You know, I think um, <laughs> if you don't want to talk to your neighbor, that's cool too. But yeah, I think just for me personally, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, as Pastor Steve mentioned earlier, I'm engaged and my beautiful fiance, Hemin, is right there. And, you know, she's obviously someone I go to for almost everything and just sharing and what I need. Um, and just someone to to care for me, to someone to, you know, be judge-free. You know, for almost everything, you know, I, I feel pretty open and honest with her, but for that small snippet, you know, where I may, maybe I need a guy's perspective, you know, I have my best friend from college. His name is Andrew. He's up in the Bay Area still, and, you know, we don't catch up too often, but, you know, he's someone that I definitely go to in times of, you know, making big decisions or I just... Lots going on, high stress. Um, and he's just someone that's there to bounce off and to encourage me. Um, and the reason I bring this up is, you know, in this passage that we're looking at today, we see Jesus and his function as not just a high priest, but our great high priest, one who cares, one who's with us, one who saves us. And you know, I know in, in previous weeks as we've been going along through the book of Hebrews. Pastor Steve, Pastor John, Sergio, I've been doing a wonderful job kind of continuing this theme of, you know, who Jesus is to us. So just to kind of, I'll just quickly, you know, recap this idea. It might be kind of foreign to us, but it's this idea, and if, if you can shoot that verse from Leviticus, you know, the, the high priest functioned as not just a regular priest, but one who would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement and make this blood sacrifice on the mercy seat on behalf of all the sins of Israel. From Leviticus. There. Um, shoot, I lost it. As Leviticus 16, verse 30, it says, For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you, you shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. And so not only does he cleanse us from our sins, but because of his great works, because of what he's done for us, you know, now we as believers, as children of God, also have these functions and these things that we are enabled to do because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so um, for my sermon today, it's kind of just very, um, just looking at the two let us phrases from the text today. And so I'm just going to dive right into the first one, verse 14, which we see is, let us hold fast our confession. And so as believers, we know that it is not our own works, it is not um, our own saving nature that saves us, but it's the work um, that the perfect son, Jesus Christ, did for each and every one of us, coming down um, fully God, but also fully man and living this life on earth without sin, without falling. Um, and it's only because of him that we're able to hold fast our confessions. It's only because of him that we are able to endure. And so kind of getting my mind across, what does it look like to endure? What does it look like to hold fast on a daily aspect that kind of reminded me of 
um, driving. And I know for a lot of our youth students, especially the older ones, they've been starting to get their driver's permits and even their license. And so, um, Lee, if you can shoot up, you know, I think I still look the same, but this is my driver's license photo even to this day. This is taken like 12, 13 years ago when I was 15. I like to think it's still me, but, uh, you know, I was just, as I was reminded of a lot of our youth students getting ready to drive, it just kind of reminded me a lot of what was it like um, just through that whole learning process of what it, what it takes, what, it, what does it look like to drive. And I know for, um, you know, I was just remembering for me, my dad was the one who primarily taught me how to drive. And, you know, it was embarrassing. Like the first month or so, he didn't even let me touch the accelerator. So we would just go to the nearby parking line and I would just have my foot up on the, over the brake without hitting the brake and just going like one or two miles an hour for 30 minutes. And even in that 30 minutes, I remember not only was my foot cramping up, my right butt cheek was cramping up and just, you know, just learning over the years what it takes to endure and grow in this process of driving. And I think, you know, even I guess now as I've gotten better at driving, there's a lot of times where we kind of take it for granted as to how to drive. But um, one, I think one of the, the more longer drives that I had recently was with uh, my fiance earlier in the summer. I remember she had just um, decided to move down to Irvine from Davis. And so I flew up that morning to help her drive down. And I thought we were gonna take turns driving and you know, I don't have to endure too much. And I think at around the, the grapevine, you know, we stopped to get dinner and then we had to get, you know, I needed some coffee and she's like, can we switch? She's like, yeah, that's fine. So from the subway to across the street where the Starbucks was, she drove. <laughs> and then she goes, Gina, I don't think I can drive. Like, I can't see anything. You know, all my luggage is in the back. I don't think I can see it. And so, you know, I endured and I pressed on and I drove the full, you know, seven, almost eight hours from Davis down to Irvine. Um, and, you know, whether it's long drives or even just in our daily lives, um, I think it's an important reminder for us to endure even in our spiritual lives, right? Yes, we know that it's a one-time thing when we confess our sins and acknowledge that Jesus is our savior, but it's another thing to continually press on each and every day being reminded of that and acknowledging that it is not because of my own works, but only because of Christ's work that I am clean, that I am good. Um, and even continuing on to this idea of endurance, we see that not only is um, God commanding us to, but he lived out the life of endurance as well. Um, you know, even going back to the example of, you know, teaching someone how to drive, it's one thing to read in a book, in a manual, it's another thing to actually go through and experience what it looks like to drive. And, you know, for you parents that are getting ready to teach your, your children or, um, I've already done so. You know, it's, it takes a driver to teach another person how to drive, right? And in the same manner, you know, for us to um, go through life, not only was God as God, but, you know, Jesus being um, fully man on his time here on earth was also better able to sympathize and empathize and truly understand what it looks like to live here and this, the different temptations that, that go on. You know, I was looking through 
um, one of my commentaries as I was preparing um, for this sermon, and it was a quote from William Barclay, and it says, the best person to give you advice and help on a journey is someone who has traveled the road before you. The best person to help you through an illness is someone who has come through it. Oh, Amen. Do we have any nurses in the, in, the, in the room today? I know Christine is a nurse. Do we have any others? Grace is a nurse. And, you know, for those that don't know, um, you know, I'm healthy now, but I grew up with a heart condition. And so over the years, I've had multiple open heart surgeries and the most recent were my time in high school. And so going through all that, you know, I remember later on in college, having a lot of friends and other family members having to go through the hospital and hospital visits and cancer. And even though I may not have had the same particular circumstance, just my own physical time being in the hospital, you know, kind of helped empathize and sympathize and better understand these other people um, that are going through different struggles. And I think in that same manner, we have um, such a beautiful God who sent his only son to, to live this life here on earth to greater sympathize with us as opposed to one who is far off and distant. Um, you know, and I think another reminder is, um, you know, as, as we see in verse um, 15, right, is, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so obviously I don't think Jesus may have undergone every identical temptation that we have, especially in the, the modern world that we live in today. But I think we can make a fair argument that Jesus actually underwent greater temptation being fully God than any of us here today. And I think, um, you know, just as he was able to fully overcome any of those different temptations, um, there's that reminder that we too can overcome temptation with him. You know, one of the Bible verses that I was always um, taught to memorize growing up as a kid was uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, you will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so it's not just this reminder that um, Jesus was um, free, of t free of temptation, but actually he overcame temptation and he avoided sin. He did not fall into that. And I think in this text today, it's another helpful reminder that, you know, regardless of the different temptations that we may go through, that we can overcome them with God, with Christ. Um, you know, I think... It, it plays out differently for each and every one of us. But I think one of the greatest temptations, one of the greatest struggles that we all have is this idea of wanting control, right? You know, for me being engaged to my fiance, there's so many times where in the heat of the moment, you know, I wanna be in control, right? I, I know what's best, right? You listen to me. Or, you know, even though I'm not a parent yet, you know, I have a younger brother who's six years younger, so I think a lot of parents can always relate to this idea of wanting to control your children, right? And for me, my younger brother, he just graduated from college and he's living with me for these past couple months, and it's so easy for me to be temp tempted to, to control him and make him live the life that I want him to live, and I'm not even his own father. 
Um, and I think, you know, whether it plays out in our family dynamics, whether it plays out in, in the workplace, in the school, um, you know, do we not all struggle with that um, desire to want control? Um, and, I, and there's so many other different temptations that, that come into play. And, um, you know, regardless of what those particular temptations look like in your own life, this reminder um, that in spite of that, we can still come boldly before God our Father. And so that leads me to the next point, looking at um, verse 16, where because of Jesus, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. You know, as a youth director now, you know, I would never dare ask the youth kids who your favorite parent is. Right? That's, that's a no-no. You never want to ask that. But I know that, you know, especially for me growing up, depending on which parent, you, you know, there's different things of, oh, for this thing, I'm going to talk to my dad, or for this thing, I'm going to talk to my mom. You know, I remember my dad is a, he's an avid bookworm, loves to read. And so growing up, he would never hesitate, you know, if I wanted to buy a book. It didn't matter what kind of book it was, he was always willing to buy it for me. You know, but when it came to the flip side, when it came to discipline, you know, when I, when I knew I did something wrong, you know, I would never go to my dad because of how much stricter he was, but I knew, you know, it was better to go to my mom for that because she was so much more merciful, she was so much more gracious. And I think in that same mindset, here we see that Jesus is both merciful and gracious to each and every one of us. Um, you know, earlier in the, um, in, the, in the book of Hebrews, we saw that, um, you know, Jesus as a faithful high priest. And here we see um, he's also a merciful and gracious high priest. And so... Um, just this idea of even when it comes to discipline, when it comes to us doing wrong, knowing that, um, you know, this idea of mercy, of um, not getting what we right, rightfully deserve, and grace of being graciously shown what we do not deserve, right? How, per, how much of a perfect picture Jesus um, demonstrates for that in our lives each and every day. You know, this idea of... Um, Jesus being that representation for us with our Heavenly Father just reminds me a lot of uh, the relationship that my older brother, who's now a father of his son. And so if you can, I think I have a picture of my family. And so this is our most recent family picture. It's my younger brother's college graduation back in June. So on the left side, you can see my older brother with his wife and his son. He was three over there. Um, and I just, that, that, you know, even though my, my older brother was very fatherly to me because he's six years older than me as well, um, just seeing that relationship that he has with his son, I think is a, is, a, is a glimpse, but it's such a beautiful representation of that same model that each and every one of us has with our Heavenly Father in heaven. Right? This idea of having confidence to draw near before the throne of grace reminds me of my nephew Clay, and he's just so unashamed when it comes to asking for things. You know, he's, you know, whether it's, you know, Dad, give me this toy, or Dad, come here and help me, or Dad, give me this candy, like, you know, no shame whatsoever. And I think in that same manner, you know, do we have that same mindset when we come before our Heavenly Father of, you know, having that same sort of confidence and knowing that we can go to Him in prayer for anything and everything because of, you know, his great mercy and grace. 
You know, in Psalm chapter 103, verses 8 through 11, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You know, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And this idea of not only is he just simply gracious and merciful, but he is more importantly loving. Right? The love that my older brother has for his son, you know, is a, it pales in comparison to the great love that our Heavenly Father has for us here on earth. Um, and I think just this idea that, you know, it's someone so majestic, so mighty, I think especially for those of us that grew up in the church, it's something that's so easily forgotten. The fact that we have um, such intimate access to a God that provides. Um, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, right as I was getting ready to graduate from college back in 2013, you know, I needed to you know, become a, an adult, a true adult, get a job. But you know, honestly, all my time in college was just spent working at doing stuff at church. You know, I didn't really have much of a good resume, and I knew at some point I wanted to go to seminary, but I didn't want to go right away. And so I was panicking, and you know, what kind of job can I get? Um, but thankfully, by the by the grace of God, there was, you know, with a, a church member at the church I was attending at. He's actually not just a neurosurgeon, but he's actually one of the the, the more world-renowned um, spinal neurosurgeons in, in the in the country, and. You know, around that time, thankfully, he actually had uh, like a temporary opening for a research assistant. And so, you know, this, this job was definitely not something I deserved. It was definitely not something that I merited. And I remember even around that time, one of my high school friends, she had just graduated from Princeton, getting ready for med school. And even she was having trouble, you know, finding work right afterwards. And here I am, this lowly, um, you know, graduate without much to show and just being um, shown this um, tremendous opportunity. And I, I remember so many times for the first six months, you know, the, the neurosurgeon was also Korean and around my height and, you know, me showing up at the hospital every day. There were so many times people thought that I was him. And just this, you know, they were just suddenly like straightening up and just looking at me. And I was like, oh, don't worry, I'm not Dr. Kim, I'm just Akim, you know, and, you know, in that same manner, as they had this great high esteem for that doctor, you know, do we have that same sort of awe and reverence before our heavenly God? Because, you know, you know as, as majestic, as great as he is, you know, how beautiful is it that, you know, we're able to not just enter, but boldly enter into that throne of grace, that we're able to pray to him at any time, that we're able to um, truly just receive his great love. And so my, my challenge and my hope in this sermon for each and every one of us here is, you know, to be reminded of what does my relationship with God look like right now? You know, when I'm, as we're reading this passage and as we acknowledge that Jesus is not only our savior, but our great high priest, Right. Do we utilize these gifts that we were given that we're able to hold fast and endure in our confession of who he is? That because of what he's done, are we able to hold, 
and standing with confidence, drawing before the throne of grace. I think, um, and, and you know, my, my hope is that this would encourage us. You know, I know last week Pastor John did a great message on, you know, the, the living and active word of, of the Lord, right? And looking at challenging us to read our Bibles. Right? And I, my hope today is not only would we continue to read our Bibles more and more, but also go to God more and more in our prayer life right? and being challenged that, you know, in any circumstance that we're in, in any situation, any trial, any difficulties that we may be going through, that with confidence that we can go before our Heavenly Father knowing how gracious and merciful He is. So with that, let me close in a word of prayer.